altitude's undefeated. Crap, we able to punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge time, I think. I don't know where I was going. I looked like I was running and I started to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Putting the high line with Rabbi in red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holy Hello, Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is the early evening of Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Uh, joined now by Rabbi Mark Goodman. We have a hard out in an hour and 15 minutes right now, folks. So no fancy intro or anything. We got 11 questions that are going to define the 2024 Colorado Rapids season. This is a format that we have loved in terms of previewing the season. In the macro, we're going to talk some preseason stuff and then answer your questions as well. But Rabbi, first I have to ask, what are the big plans with the lovely lady Noah for tomorrow? (laughs) My wife is in Boston for a conference, so I will do nothing. I have very, we we don't really do much for, uh, for, um, for Valentine's Day. Uh, my mom used to always do like a red themed meal and she would get chocolates and my mom was really into the, the the valentine's day but not so much me and my wife we're not we're not really romantic in on a specific date we we're we're kind of like more like we we're not even really all that big on um our anniversary i think my wife forgets when our anniversary is more often than i do we're big on birthdays (laughs) like we take care we take care of the birthdays we take care of the kids so um you know no it doesn't really like chocolate you know and i buy her flowers almost every week so um we buy flowers for shabbat so that's that's kind of our thing okay then so so the the goodman marriage naturally has other areas in which riz comes in such that february 14th (laughs) is not relevant rabbi's laughing listeners because i think that indicates that he knows what riz actually stands for i do i put it in my last preview article i was so proud that i used it i have a i have a seventh grader so i get i get all the the cool um the cool lingo and then my kids are humiliated when i actually use it so it's it's pretty bad but bet all right mark uh let's uh so listeners we've got 11 questions they're going to define the rapid season and then we'll do a bunch of other stuff on that so uh mark do you want to get us started asking me the first question uh let's do this matt all right matt pollard uh also known as red who came up with all these questions by the way so props to matt well done Important leaders like Price, Rubio, and Yarborough are gone. Captain Tegan Rosenberry is a quieter individual. How will he do in his first year as Rapids captain? Does this dressing room have a leadership gap? I think it has a gap in that it is not obvious to us who the new leaders will be, other than just assuming that it's Keegan and then maybe Cole Bassett, maybe one or two of the new signings that are coming in. When I spoke to Keegan Rosenberry for an article that I've been punting on because life has just been maddening and everything and crazy uh, for reasons that I will not get into on the podcast that Mark is aware of. However, um, the uh, Keegan said that, you know, he got a lot of positive feedback and affirmation from the organization, from the coaching staff, from the players. 
and that the message that he received from Chris Armas and others was that he didn't necessarily need to be more than he was. He just needed to keep doing what he has been doing the last year and a half, two years with the Rapids as well. I do think that Chris Armas is maybe a louder or more charismatic voice in this locker room. So you compare it to Robin Frazier, who Marco, as we both know, can be very loud, but can be a little boring or a little bit monotone at times. So I think Chris Armas is filling some of that leadership gap. I think that um, Keegan Rosenberry is filling the void that was there, but just by being more of himself rather than trying to imitate a William Yarbrough, a Diego Rubio, a Jack Price, certainly. And I think there will be other leaders who will make themselves known in the weeks and months to come based on how things go. I do feel very good about where this locker room chemistry and where the balance is between older players, young players, veterans, guys who are new to the league, guys who are familiar with the league. Uh, worst case scenario, I think it's Zach Steffen yelling at the defense, and I think it's Jordy Mihailovic and Cole Bassett yelling in the midfield. And we'll see whether or not Connor Ronan gets any louder than he has been now that he knows he's not the quiet guy who's supposed to play next to Jack Price, but the one maybe leading things in the midfield. Rabbi Mark Goodman, also known simply as sure. Rabbi. Jordi Mihailovic <laughs> is a darn good replacement for Diego Rubio, but there are more doubts about who's playing in the six with Jack Price gone. Jasper Luffelson has come over from RSL, and there's some good impressions in terms of what he can bring, but at the end of the day, he was a lower-drafted player in the MLS Superdraft. Lamina Diak is on on a short-term loan with an option to buy. He is an unknown quantity in Major League Soccer and has going to have a steep learning curve for the Rapids to pick up that option. And Ralph Preso is still there, but we both have some doubts about him. Mark, who is filling Pricey's boots, literally and metaphorically, at the six? Will they be good enough? Are the Rapids going to recreate him in the aggregate Moneyball style? Nice. That's well said. Um, it is a really good question. Um, my take is sort of a little bit none of the above, although it might be one of the above. So it is really hard to figure out whether we were going to see very early on whether the four-two-three-one is going to kind of focus on three central midfielders or five central midfielders. Okay. How, how much centrality are they going to play with? Um, and how much is wing speed and kind of like, um, left wings and right wings who look more like forwards versus left wings and right wings who look like midfielders, right? Because there is a lineup in this team that could be kind of like the Jackson five, like, you know, um, you know, J five MCs, Jurassic five, like, you know, five, like a fist all together. And that would be Connor Ronan, uh, um, Georgie Mihailovic, uh, Cole Bassett, Lamine Diak, and any one of the other guys, which might be Lofelson, it might be Tavares, um, it might be, you know, um, you, I uh, think you missed right wingers, uh, there, Mark. It might be so one of the, I, well, Jonathan might be Lewis, one of, Calvin Well, might be one of the, that's my point, which is it might be one of the wingers, but it might not. I mean, we might be playing with like more, like midfielder midfielders. Now, Cole Bassett can play as a kind of a wingy wing player, but the, you know, the story on Cole Bassett has been historically that he likes to play in the half spaces, that he's more of a midfielder than a proper winger. So the alternative is that it's, um, Georgie Mihailovic, Cole Bassett, and um, Connor Ronan um, at the deep line position. That Diak and Prizo and um, Lofelson are on the bench, and that you're playing with two proper wings, 
and that would be Cabral, and that would be um, Jonathan Lewis on the other side. So, so to some degree, I I sort of answered your question by not answering your question, which is which of the three players that um, Matt asked about are more most likely to kind of earn the permanent position. Of those three, I like Jasper Lopelson the most because he has MLS experience. Um, he's played as a real six, um, and that he, you know, he, he's a ball killing player, but I watched him as a, as a player at Pitt. Um, I watched the Pitt men's team for two years that Lofelson was on the team. And there he was an overlapping right wing who kind of ran the point. I mean, he was basically a right wing who started the attack kind of and, and moved high up the pitch. So I haven't really seen him as a defensive midfielder except playing for RSL. Lamine Diak is a complete black box. We know absolutely nothing about him. Um, we are looking forward to finding out something about him. Um, and Ralph Prizzo is so far a known quantity who's been fairly disappointing. But that, to be that to be fair, I think every player gets the opportunity, especially when they're young, of, of growing. But I would say the least likely player um, to see a lot of minutes is, uh, especially at the early part of the season, is Ralph Prizzo. So I, mm-hmm. I I answered the question by basically almost saying none of the above. I think the mo the three midfielders who are going to be on the field the most and will earn the most minutes at the end of the season are Mihailovic, Bassett, and Ronan, and that means that those three will be mostly central. And that means that I think that Mihailovic will kind of be that the real six in that will be Ronan. That Mihailovic will kind of be the eight, and Bassett will kind of be the ten. I think Mihailovic is clearly the left midfielder, but it's a good question, Mark, of whether... Because a 4-3-3 to a 4-3-3-1 in terms of what the number 10 is doing and then what the two wide attacking players who I think are going to be Omer Fernandez on the right mostly once he gets healthy and then uh, Jordi Mihailovic, where are they in respect to the other midfielders? The other question that we haven't really brought up, Mark, and it would be nice if we had some film to see whether or not this looked like it, we have some doubts about um, whether or not Chris Armas wants more defensive fullbacks or guys who are going right. to be more modern fullbacks. And right. so is that fifth player, Mark, actually the return of the Vines back? All yeah. good questions. Well, ask the, the, the Vines questions come later, don't they? Yes. yes. All right. We'll save, save it for later. All right. Here we go. Question number three. Ali LaRoz and Sebastian Anderson, also known as Sebi, re-signed but are only guaranteed for 2024. Adam Beaudry is a homegrown as well. We'll probably get minutes for uh, Rapids 2 again. The club unceremoniously moved on from Abe Rodriguez after years of hyping him up in front of microphones and cameras. Are the kids all right? Is this academy producing MLS caliber players, or are they overrated? Relative to where the rest of the league is, Mark, and relative to what we have heard from members of the front office on the record, I've never been more, like, uh, is optimistically skeptical, like the right words, like the... I want to believe in Ali Laraz. I want to believe in Sebastian Anderson. I've seen them in training. I think we've seen enough from Sebi towards the final seven games of last season to where we can believe that he's capable of being a starter in MLS. But the fact that both of them are back on one-year deals, Abrod didn't come back. Obviously, the, the clock on Beaudry has just started. So we are three years away, pending something horrible off the field or a horrible injury. We are three years away from, I think, the club legitimately contemplating moving on from Adam Beaudry, but I, I think it's a valid question at this point of where's the Rapids Academy, because fundamentally the job of your academy, uh, in terms of the first team, is to produce players capable of contributing to the first team. And in terms of regular starters on a Rapids team that is competitive in 
MLS 4.0, they've produced two of those, Sam Vines and Cole Bassett. So, and the other guys who can kind of be fringe guys, Mark, I'm not saying that they're not useful, but I don't think Rapids fans would be happy if the Rapids had eight Dylan Cernas out there getting regular minutes and the team was winning the wooden spoon. So, Ollie the Ross has a lot of competition in midfield. I want to believe that he's capable of doing stuff. I know that Sebastian Anderson is capable of backing up um, uh, Keegan Rosenberry. We'll see whether or not Sebi maybe becomes the go-to uh, bench sub for both fullback positions, given that he's ambidextrous and there's going to be a lot of games that are going to be played. There's no really other right back on the roster, and the other one on the left would be Jackson Travis, who's looked okay for Rapids, too. He's still a teenager, so... His clock isn't quite there, but yeah, I, I have doubts, and I, I would not be shocked if at the end of this year we do not see all of the Robs, Sebastian Anderson, fully break in with the team, and then either mutually or from one party preferring it over the other, we see both of them leave the club, and that would dramatically shift for me my understanding and my belief in terms of what the club is doing either in producing talent that is then capable of being signed to a homegrown contract, but then also making that pathway clear from homegrown contract to next pro to maybe getting loaned out to switch back to then coming into the first team. And if that pipeline is not clear, Mark, there's the people know that there's talent in Colorado. There's Griffin Dorsey. Uh, so does that talent start to look elsewhere? And so the Rapids have to make that very, very clear and they have to give those opportunities Chris Armis would be the perfect guy to bring in those guys and give them those opportunities. They have to prove it, and he also has to prove the commitment to them. Let's stay on the back line, Mark, for question number four. At the center back position, we have Andreas Maxo, the designated player, a regressed and increasingly expensive Lawless Bubakar, and then there's a bunch of kids. I think it's a fair argument that Maxo is a lock to start in a back four with two center backs of the Rapids this year, but who plays next to him? Moise Bombito had some moments. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Overall improvement, but there were some bad moments. Moise Bombito to the moon. Mark, which one of these too many young center backs who all need playing time are able to get on the field, or do we have question marks surrounding all of them? We have question marks. I mean, I think this is the... I, if you're going to have, like, if if we were going to clip out, like, two minutes, and actually, I think, Matt, you should give me your opinion when I'm done, but... um uh, counter to the normal way we do things here, but this is the spicy question that people will cut two minutes out and comment on um, and tell us, you know, in a week on Facebook or Twitter or whatever else platforms we're using these days, what idiots we are um, that we're totally wrong. And I think that that's because people saw Moise Bombito uh, being young and impetuous and making a few mistakes, but also having some really good moments and have some, having some really good games. I think over two or three years, people are kind of tired of Lawless Abubakar. I always find that idea to be, having watched a lot of soccer for the last couple of years, like you always sour on defenders. Every fan has a moment where they say, that guy cost us the game. Well, of course they did. That's a defender's job. The defender is the last thing standing between the balrog and gandalf none shall pass <laughs> right it's a really difficult job and sometimes is zach the- stefan frodo in this analogy <laughs> <laughs> or he's Gollum, right he's the or maybe he's the one true ring i'm not sure um um but you know i mean like th- that's the thing is like sometimes the balrog smashes the 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 bridge and gandalf turns from gandalf the the gray into gandalf the white like that's how it goes you know 
Um, that's there's no way to do it. My favorite, I think, I think what we're going to see most likely is about two thousand minutes, mostly at the front end of the season, for Lalas Abubakar. Another five hundred to a thousand minutes for Moise Bombito, um, and about five hundred minutes for Nate Jones. And the Nate Jones will get uh, will get time more towards the end of the season. He might even see the beginning of the season. Um, you know, either effectively uh, fully being loaned to R two or being kind of sent down to R2 because he's been put on the reserve roster, right? Because he's if you're going to have three center backs in a two-center back lineup, if you're if you're going to have seven subs, then your obvious three center backs, the two who are likely to start, are going to be Maxo and Abubakar. And then the guy off the bench is likely to be Bombito. And in that case, you want Nate Jones to go to Commerce City and 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 play. You know, like you want him to play with R2. You want him down a DU, sorry. Um the the Michael Edwards, we have heard absolutely nothing about. We don't really know anything about whether he's kind of in the situation. There is very little news going on about Abubakar Keita, and so I assume that he is still kind of in the injury rehab phase of things, but they did sign a big long-term contract extension for him back in August. So um, I think that they think that Abubakar Keita, when he gets a little bit older and a little bit healthier, because he's only 23 years old, still has potential. But right now, the three the three guys I named are the front runners. I would not be surprised, though, if in July, August, September, we start to see the Nate Jones experiment, which I'm excited about. They're very high on him as being a game-ready guy um, because he's a big body. And he's calm, and he's played NCAA minutes. So, um, and I would, I would be uh, all in favor of that. So, um, I'm. I, let me say this: uh, I'm going to be maybe the captain of the Nate Jones hype train. Maybe, it, maybe it already exists. Maybe DNVR has staked out that claim. But I want to be, I want to be the engineer. I want to, you know, woo woo for Nate Jones. Here I go. Mark, so I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if they've done it yet. I haven't caught up on DNVR. I haven't looked at my podcast feed for at all today, but they were planning on doing their, their guy draft is in like the, when you say that such and such uh. player is my guy and everything. So Mark, would you formally like to, I, I will let you draft Nate Jones over me in the HTHL. He is your guy for 2024. We're assuming these are new guys, right? Nobody gets to be like, we, I have already, I claimed Sam Vines like a very long time ago. I, I yeah. claimed Sam Vines when he was like 17 years let's old. Let's say, you know? let's say new guys on there and then not coming back from Europe as well. There's a separate discussion for yeah. Vines, Jordy, Zach, and who's the other one who I'm forgetting? Uh, maybe Lamine Dioc in that. Um, and then, sure. yeah, they're, they're in no. a separate category. Guys who in there, guys who are in their first year in MLS play and haven't played at a higher level. Rabbi Mark Goodman, are you formally drafting Nate Jones number one? I'll take Nate Jones, but you could not, you you could not fail if you took Kamani Stewart Baines instead, because that guy is also, I mean, it's really hard to claim a big body physical defender who's probably not going to score any goals and only going to get 500 minutes over a guy who's likely to bang in three. So, um, you, you can have, you can be the glory seeker. You can, you can take the, you could take the, the the hot boy, which is Kamani. With the number two pick in the HTHL, my guy, 2024 draft, <laughs> Team Red selects from the University of Maryland, forward GA player, 
Monty Stewart Baines. I kind of okay. figured. Uh, so answering the question directly here, Rabbi, uh, unless he is sold to Europe because he absolutely balls out in the first half of the season and then possibly at Copa America, uh, Moise Bombito will be the center back to get the most number of minutes for Number the first two. team other than Andreas Maxo. He has been playing with Maxo. Uh, going back to the end of last year, he's yeah. been playing with him throughout the preseason and everything. What happens after that, I'm not entirely sure, Mark. Does does Lawless want to be the vibes guy? And then, like, the does Lawless want to be the dad of then the second pairing that you have for <laughs> Open Cup, if Open Cup happens for the first team, or, uh, you know, for a Leagues Cup rotation, or for, like, the Wednesday night games or something? I'm not sure. I haven't spoken to Lawless about that specifically. He's a competitive nice. guy. He's liked the playing time that he's gotten when he's gotten it in the past under... Robin Frazier, and I don't know, Mark, that there's more than one of the other young guys that's going to rise above everything else. You know, Daniel Chacon is coming back from his ACL tear. I wouldn't be shocked, though this wouldn't be an advancement for his career, if he just takes all the summer to rehab, and then he's with R2 for the duration of the second half of the year. Mike Edwards has spent two years with Rapids 2. If he's spending a third year with Rapids 2, that's indicating to me one of two things, that he's clearly just not good enough to get in the first team, and or he's also pretend it's it's not good for him and it's not good for the organization because potentially he's getting in the way of another young center back coming up that Rapids 2 have signed to a Rapids 2 contract or to a kid in the academy who could get some minutes before then going off to college come August, September. And so I, I have a hard time believing that of the guys who are clearly below Moise Bombito for me in terms of immediate present opportunity for the first team in the first third of the season, Nate Jones. Mike Edwards, Daniel Chacon, Abubakar Keita. I don't know that more than two of those guys are with this team, you know, certainly by this time next year, because they're going to have to break in. And there's only two spots right now. It's not, uh, Armas does not see three quality center backs that warrant him playing a back three, a back five. And so I'm not entirely sure how they handle that. Uh, Mark, there's been some mixed, there's been some inconsistencies in terms of um, Abubakar Keita with the first team during preseason. He was not with them for at least some part of Mexico. He was training uh, with the uh, with an Austrian Bundesliga team who were fourth in the table at the time. I can't remember their name, and I'm not sure what's going on with that. He had he was with the team when they were in Colorado this time last week as well. I think if there's anybody who's moving out before the end of the season, I think it's Abuba Carqueta. I think he probably sees that he's not you know, in the running at least to compete. And at his age, coming back off of finally off of his injury and ready to play, he needs to play. Is that in the championship? Is that in the backwaters of Europe? Do we, you know, hear it? Do we get a press release at 4.59 p.m. this week saying that he's been loaned to the Norwegian second division with an option to buy? I'm not entirely sure. If I had to pick one who's not with the team by the end of the MLS primary window, it's Abuba Karketa. And I'm not sure of those four ones below Bombito, unless Bombito sold for money that um, all four of the, the three guys are still with the team by the end of the season. Um, uh, Mark, I think uh, you're, you're now asking me question number five, I believe. Let's go, baby. All right, here we go. Chris Armas takes cup competition seriously. The Rapids haven't had a proper cup run in ages. Last year was their first time winning multiple rounds since 2006. No quarterfinals since 2003. And the Rapids... Go on a cup run. Can they make noise in League's Cup or Open Cup? Uh, and with League's Cup, will it be uh, a successful experience in the Marcelo Balboa Derby in which uh, the Rapids get to take on not only um, Club Leon, but additionally in our group, we've drawn 
the Portland Timbers. Rapids fans, for the purpose of this conversation, we are going to assume that the Rapids first team is eligible for play in the 2024 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Um, Armis has made it clear, Mark, you know, if there's a competition that they're in, he wants to be in it. He said it in no uncertain words at the Rapids Media Day back on MLK Day that he would prefer to let teams choose. And some teams have informally had their reserve teams play in the Open Cup and others would take it more seriously. I think even with the first team depth chart about to be sorted out in the next couple of weeks for Chris Snarmis, I do think he rates the second unit and thinks that the second unit playing in Open Cup certainly against the USL League One team, against most starting 11s for the USL Championship, and against MLS teams that do not attack the Open Cup with a level of seriousness and tenacity, like Chris Armas verbally has said that he wants to, that they will be able to find success. I think Armas wants those more games for the guys who maybe aren't getting those minutes. That gives you a look at a Nate Jones, a Kamani Stewart-Baines, an Ollie LaRoz who might not be able to break into and be a starter for the first team as well. I think he wants to prioritize that. I do think the Rapids should be able to do that. They want to try and be more competitive at home. If they get those home games, especially against lower opposition, they should win those games. Whether or not they can overcome the hump mark, given that the way that they've sectioned off, the, the given that they've regionalized Open Cup as well, at some point relatively early on, it's either you or RSL who's making a quarterfinal. There's no, both Rocky Mountain teams are not getting to a quarters or a semis without being matched up directly against each other. That is my immediate cause for pause, as we'll get to when we talk about Rocky Mountain Cup a few questions from now. In terms of League's Cup, I think it's a good challenge, but I also think that this is one where the Rapids can do something good. We'll get a really good barometer of where the Rapids are vis-a-vis Portland in the season opener on the 24th, where the Rapids are going to Portland, as they will for League's Cup as well. And Mark, as we talked about a couple weeks ago as well, Leon's a little bit down. You know, the um, you know, it's the three gigantes in terms of uh, the two Monterey clubs, Tigres and Monterey, and then Club America. And then there's kind of a second tier with a gap after that. Maybe Chivas is in that. I don't know if Santos are good this year as well, Mark. Atlas had that really great year last year. And then it's a bunch of other crap to where I feel pretty confident in saying a mid-table league MX team and a mid-table borderline playoff team in MLS are not that far off of each other financially or competitively. If the Rapids can go and get a result at Portland, I absolutely think that they could be playing for effectively uh, the play-in game in order to, or the group winner rubber match against uh, against Club Leon. So, um, and that'll be fantastic, Marcus, from a pageantry standpoint with um, uh, with Marcelo Baboa with the organization. Assuming the season is not completely off the rails in terms of where the league is marked, I will go out here and I'll preemptively, I reserve the right to change my answer after the 4th of July game because there's a lot of soccer that's going to be played by that point. Uh, I will say now that the Colorado Rapids will get out of the group in League's Cup. Mark, let's move on to question number six. Rafael Navajo and Lamine Diak are on loans with an option to buy in the summer. Um, where in the world is Sidney Tavares is another good question that I have. But if he's still with the club, he also has an option to buy. Navajo has to score goals in order to warrant that $4.5 million price tag. Diak is coming up with a little, with very little time to adjust to MLS and prove that he's worth the transfer fee. We haven't seen a lot that's convinced us on Sidney Tavares. Will these three players work out? And if some or all of them leave in the summer, what does that mean for the business and for the season? And really, Mark, particularly at the forward position, because if it's not Rafael Navajo, it's Darren Yapi, who we're not stalling the hype train, but we still have some doubts about. 
or dare I say it is Kevin Cabral with the false nine just dribbling into defenders and giving the ball away. Yeah, I'll answer this in a slightly different way, which is I have started to become concerned with uh, Porrick Smith's penchant for the loan with a, a deal to buy. Now, it's a smart move in theory, unless you continually bring in players on these loan with an option to buy situations where you never wind up paying the sticker price for the buy. Because it, in, it implies to me that like a lot of the times the Rapids are um, bringing in a guy who hasn't really lit the world on fire and they get him from this other club by dangling this giant amount of money in front of him and saying, like, if he comes good, we'll pay you an exorbitant fee, which they never do because they don't tend to be worth the fee, which means we kind of get him on loan for six months. And it's almost like a trick. I'm wondering if every other team in in the country, in the world starts to figure out like the Rapids never will never buy at the rate that you set for them. So that's my concern. That's that's my starting point, which is um, maybe people are going to pick up that like we usually don't buy that guy. The problem with the Rafael Navajo deal is exactly what you spelled out in the question. Matt, by the way, this is a, a, a running problem. Matt's questions are, as attorneys in a courtroom might say, they're often leading questions. And that's it was great because a couple moments ago, like Matt and I really disagreed about how the midfield would play out and how the center backs would play out. We we totally disagree on that, which is pretty rare for this podcast. So, you know, um, everybody, you know, hoist a glass for something rare that you haven't seen happen before. Um, but to answer the question straight up, um, it would be very hard to justify a four point five million dollar transfer fee for Navajo. Uh, and I think that that's really a problem um, because if he scores eight goals by mid season, he's done a good job, but he hasn't blown our doors off. You know, I think we're, we're looking for like 10 or 12 and, you know, anything less than 10 is going to wind up basically saying like 4.5 million is a lot of money. And here's the other thing that you didn't mention in your question, Matt, thank you for not, not giving everything away, which is the Rapids just paid a transfer fee for Jordi Mihailovic. Uh, and so Jordi Mihailovic is going to sap up some of that money. I believe uh, I can look it up, but I think that amortized, they have to pay, um, they have to contribute $750,000 a year um, towards that fee. So I think over three I don't. Like, I don't know what the per year was, Mark, but I have heard the, the fee. I, I was guessing at it. It was north of, uh, north of three, south of four, and that is including potential incentives, which I've been unable right. to confirm or deny their existence of. So for, yeah, for I the purpose of the, the conversation, let's say three mil and change. Yeah, I don't know how the, um, right. So I wrote down because I only, I don't figure transfer fees in my, um, in my spreadsheet because I don't need to, because I only need to worry about how much money they have from year to year. And if you can, am and you get to amortize the, um, the cost of your deal over the length of the, the contract. And so all I have written down is that the Milovich transfer fee is a $750,000 ding this year because Mihailovic is on a contract that goes until the year 2027. So, um, but that's based on the rumors. Anyways, point being, how much funny money do the Rapids, Rapids have to play with even to, to, um, make a big transfer fee signing? I don't know. Like, that's another, like, separate question. Um, Lamine Diak is, uh, a totally, again, is an absolutely no, we have no input whatsoever. He hasn't played much in Turkey. He didn't play much in France. 
We really don't know if he's going to play much for the Rapids. I don't think he will. Um, I think he is a, a really, really long um, Hail Mary player. Uh, my guess is that he goes back mid-year. And Sidney Tavares wasn't even in the original question. You just threw it in um, on the fly. And that's because none of us are remembering Sidney Tavares. Sidney Tavares is the new Max Alves, except without the gambling problem. Oof. In this, In the sense that he was a guy. We've seen him do some things. He has a little bit of sauce. He seems like a very nice guy. Um, but he hasn't really, uh, he didn't really fit in the second half of last season. I would love to see him succeed. I never root against anybody, um, especially if they're playing for the Rapids. I only root against, um, FSL, um, RSL. Uh, but, but that's, that's my take is that, uh, we, we, there's a slim chance that we, we paid the transfer fee for any of those three players. All right. Let's keep going. Keep this truck a rolling. Uh, this is a great tactical question, Matt. I'm, I'm, Envious that you get this one, but you deserve it. The Rapids were so predictable last year. They play out of the back. They turn it over for in a fixable mistake. They come in unprepared. They concede. Do the Rapids fix the tactical problems that they demonstrated last year? And if so, how? Maybe the most or one of the most disheartening things about last season, Mark, was just going into games where you felt like you knew what was already going to happen, like it had already happened. One of the beauties of sports is that it's unscripted. In theory, anything can happen. You know, a fourth division Spanish team could upset Real Madrid or Barcelona in, you know, in the Copa del Rey on their best day. And I just, I was sitting up there in the press box. I saw the lineup from the Rapids. I saw the lineup from the opposition. And I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know how it's going to happen. And I know exactly what Robin Frazier is going to say post game. And I've, lost and I'm lost for different ways to ask the same question about why this team is so consistently bad and has the same problems. There's a few ways that I think Chris Armas is going to attack this defensive issue and the habits that were present last year. One, I do think they are going to be more direct. We're going to see less passing out of the back in terms of passing side to side. There's going to be more vertical stuff going on. I do think that Zach Steffen is better playing out of the back certainly than William Yarbrough. And I think there's enough stats that shows what Ilicho was doing in Belgium and what he was doing in MLS vis-a-vis what we saw from uh, Zach Steffen in the Bundesliga. I think it was the Bundesliga. It might have been the two Bundesliga at Dusseldorf. And then certainly in the championship on loan at Middlesbrough and in the sparing minutes that he got at Manchester City as well. So I do think uh, I do think Steffen improves it from a goalkeeper standpoint. I have to think with the Backline basically being three returning starters. If we're talking about Maxo, one of the center backs who's not Nate Jones, I think Bombito, and then Keegan Rosenberry, there's more continuity there. And then you return Sam Vines, that's only going to help you in terms of mobility, dealing with transition play for and against, and then being solid in possession. There is still that question for me about who's playing at the six next to Connor Ronan. We saw Ronan be paired up with a lot of people, and it didn't really work from a possession standpoint. Ralph Preso was aloof in terms of his positioning in order to play out of the back and then slow to react in terms of defensive situations. Already talked about what Sidney Tavares was and was not in that context. And so uh, so I think they play more direct. I do think they're better set up to when they do play out of the back, deal with those moments as well. The thing that gives me particularly that gives me optimism is Chris Armis in his interview process with the club and in media availability I've seen, and I've heard it third hand from other people who were speaking to him, not in an interview, talking to a technical person at the club, and then also not in a media context talking about how 
the Rapids cannot beat themselves. This needs to be a team that is hard to beat. This needs to be a team that does not make the mistakes that get you punished in this league, especially when you are playing more talented, more financially supported attacking players. And so I have to believe that just fundamentally he's the he's not going to allow those mental lapses and he is going to set the team up to deal with the press and deal with issues around their defensive third better than they had been in the past. And so in that regard that is a that's deviating from the plan less than maybe Robin Frazier did by the final 10-15 games that he had with the team. But in that regard Mark I think Chris Armis is going much more for prevention rather than coming up with a cure in terms of the Armis isn't coming in to say, I'm going to set us up such that we turn the ball over in our own half. We are in a better position defensively to deal with that. He wants to prevent those turnovers and those situations that potentially lead to turnovers entirely. Mark, let us move on to question number eight. Colorado Rapids have won just one Rocky Mountain Cup, just two, excuse me, two Rocky Mountain Cup wins for the Pids in the past decade. RSNL is 14-5 and five all time, and the Rapids, two of those five came in the first two years for RSL. Kind of a grace period if you're thinking about a expansion team in MLS 2.0. Do the Rapids finally win the Rocky Mountain Cup in a non-pandemic season? Jasper Lofelzen revenge tour, question mark. Omer Fernandez did have a very good habit of scoring in Hudson River Derbies. Does he carry that over to the Rockies? Or Rabbi Mark Goodman, will, they, will the Rapids be outplayed? in those first two games in Sandy and blow it before they even get to host RSL in the final MLS game before the League's Cup break on July 20th. I am going to be optimistic this year about the Rocky Mountain Cup. I'm feeling optimistic in general about the Colorado Rapids, um, not about the Open Cup. I would have answered that question um, uh, in the negative, uh, but I will answer the Rocky Mountain Cup question in the affirmative. We have really been terrible at the Rocky Mountain Cup for the last many, many years. Um, the last time they claimed it was, uh, the last time they even won a Rocky Mountain Cup game was August 21st, 2021 uh, at home. But uh, over the last couple of years, uh, we have three wins since uh, 2016, um, which is abominable. It's just horrendous. So we got three games coming up, uh, two away and one at home. That usually doesn't bode well for us. The Rapids also have a history of going into what used to be called Rio Tinto, which apparently this year or last year, starting last year, was called America First Field. Do not like that name. Not a fan. Although Rio Tinto was named for a mining company and mining companies in the best of times. Matt is the environmental engineer. He could probably speak to this better than I can. But in mining companies in the best of times have spotty environmental records i believe rio tinto specifically had some serious south american mining violations um so don't drink the round water don't go into the pit don't that's the right air. that's right yeah and and i just there was also speaking of environmentalism um the the clear crystal air of denver colorado except for the moment when the wind blows down from Greeley, is is quite lovely compared to the miserable temperature inverted cesspool that lurks over Salt Lake City. Um, This is one of those moments where some of our uh, Rapids fans who are in Salt Lake should chime in and share their opinion. Anyways, point being, um, even though the Rapids tend to do poorly on the road at RSL, um, even though the Rapids haven't been very good at the Rocky Mountain Cup, 
Um, I feel like this is the year. Uh, the last time the Rapids won away was September 12th, 2020. Uh, at RSL, they won that game five to nothing. So um, I remember that one vaguely, um, but I don't have a strong memory of that whole year because COVID. So uh, I don't have any. By the way, I, the, one of the things about um, you know doing this kind of podcast this year um, and the questions that we often ask in the preseason predictions is they are definitely vibes questions. Like there's no way that I know uh, anything about the Rocky Mountain Cup. But I did do my season preview um, over the Western Conference. I noted that RSL are pretty pretty happy at standing pat. Um, they haven't really upgraded many of their uh, players or positions. They were pretty happy with how things came out last week and I don't last year, and I don't think that that's um, going to cut it in this league. Uh, I I predicted um, small spoiler alert. This article will probably drop tomorrow. I predict the Rapids will finish the end of the season in seventh and RSL will finish in eighth. And it would be very, very sweet if what separated us in the table uh, is only our wins in the Rocky Mountain Cup. Question number nine. Uh, With all the Europe-based players coming to Colorado and those who stuck around, the team has has become capital something to prove FC. With Armas... Will will Armas prove the haters he was the right hire? Will the USMNT European hopefuls resurrect their careers? And lastly, is Jonathan Lewis mad that we reported he was getting traded? It's a lot of questions, Matt. It is. Uh, I'll start with the, as I said, or as was discussed, Mark, in my interview over the weekend with Designated Players Pod, uh, the Designated Players Podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes for those of you who want to see their perspective, an Atlanta and a Red Bull fan's perspective on the Rapids based on the questions they asked me. I think Chris Normus will prove that he is a better coach than when he made that horrible tactical gaffe, Rabbi, in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018 against Atlanta United. I think he is a better coach now than he was in that moment. I think he will prove that even with his failures that happened in that moment and his three other jobs since then, that he has learned from those and he is a better coach now than he had been at any point in uh, with those previous employers. And I do think the Rapids will be to a net benefit for that. Uh, The Rapids got the right guy for the job in that regard. And I think at the end of the day, there will be a number of people who will be issuing Chris Armas an apology or a you proved me wrong kind of a thing before his contract is out, you know, at the end of 2025. In terms of the other young players, I think they have a very clear, Uh, They are known quantities in MLS, and they have a very clear floor that is way better than a lot of the ceilings that we had from the Rapids at the goalkeeper position, at the left-back position prior to Andrew Gutman being acquired last year in the case of Sam Vines. And then certainly, I think Jordi Mihailovic has much more upside and youth and potential national team, European resale value, etc., than Diego Rubio was ever going to have in 2024 for the Colorado Rapids, or now with Austin FC, because clearly the answer that Austin has in terms of their roster build is to bring back the 2022 Colorado Rapids attack with him and with Jossie's artists. So in terms of, I don't know that any of these guys get into the national team. I still think there's so many new pieces at this club where there's going to be an adjustment period. In the first third of the season, we won't talk specifically about this mark from a scheduling standpoint, but those first seven games 
are a really, really tough turn for me. I don't, I don't think that the Rapids are in a playoff spot seven games into the season. And I think that's going to dent any opportunity that, that any of these USMNT hopefuls have in terms of getting into the Copa America squad for Greg Berhalter. That being said, I do think there is still time for them to do enough for the Rapids this year or next year, then get a move out to Europe to get another opportunity. The one player who I'd make an exception for for that is Zach Steffen, just because prior to him getting injured and then falling off the cliff for City and then with Middlesbrough, he was the he was uh, Greg Berhalter's favorite going back to their time together at Columbus. Jordi Mihailovic, the position that he's competing with, he's competing with guys who are starting at clubs that are in the top third of the top five league and are competing with tro- for trophies. He is competing with Christian Pulisic. He is competing with Gio Reyna. He is competing with Tim Weah. And so balling out or even being an MVP dark horse for a Colorado Rapids team that probably isn't making a conference final isn't enough for me in terms of getting back in with the national team. Spoke to Sam Vines last week uh, after training, and I asked him whether or not he had had any conversations with Greg Berhalter, and he said no, he was focusing on what was going to work for him, and he wanted to get into a better position on the field, off the field. If you follow him and or people who are close in his family, he's got a lot of big life milestones that are coming up, you know, as he's engaged to be married, and they haven't picked a date, at least that's what he told me last week as well, so I think uh, Cole, uh, Cole, excuse me, uh, Sam Bynes just wants to get back to being happy off the field and then playing regularly and then be enjoying his football and everything. And then if national team opportunities or European opportunities come up, those will happen naturally as well. I do think, Mark, the depth, the, so that's the concern that I have, the fact that he didn't talk about it with Greg, whereas I feel like Greg Berhalter spoke to Stefan at least briefly and then Jordi Mihailovic about their moves back to MLS, where I have optimism for the Sam Vine situation is that you've just seen the USMNT try so many other guys when Jedi Robinson isn't available or when he's being rotated out that I don't know that there's a clear number two that you like other than Joe Scally. And I think you like Joe Scally more on the right backing up or as a tactical alternative to Sergino Dest than you like him out of position with just the physical freak that is uh, Anthony Robinson. And so I do think there's a clear gap and there's a low threshold in terms of getting in the conversation to be that backup for Anthony Robinson in ways that I think there's a very high ceiling for Jordi Mihailovic or a Cole Bassett to can in and I think the only hope that Zach Steffen has coming back to MLS given his competition is you know starting in Europe albeit you know Matt Turner's had a, a rough couple weeks for Nottingham Forest and I think they could be in trouble this year like the Starting and playing poorly on a Premier League team that gets relegated, I feel like it's better than being a good shot stopper on an average MLS team that doesn't go anywhere. I want to believe, I, I want to believe that that's the case. And that is why Tim Howard and Brad Guzan got lots of minutes for the national team. And Nick Romando was the third string guy, you know, this time a decade ago. So um, I think Armis has something to prove, and I think he will prove stuff. I think Kolbasa gets back to the form that he was in 2021 that led to his European opportunity. I think Sam Vines proves to be, again, one of the most versatile and two-way fullbacks in the league. I think Jordi Mihailovic, his floor is what Diego Rubio was, I'll say, not 2022 because he was awesome, but like the Diego Rubio's amortized average over the course of all of his time at the Rapids, and his ceiling is... Ryan Gall, dark horse for uh, MLS MVP. And so in that regard, I think a lot of guys will get back to, will progress back to their mean, and some of them will absolutely 
prove the something that they have to prove. Um, and Mark, I, I, I do think, I, I think that, I think that Jonathan Lewis is scoring goals because he's in a direct system that works for him really well, where he can do stuff in transition and be a, uh, a speed merchant. And I don't know that he's doing this specifically to get redemption because he was probably going to get traded and it turns out he didn't have trade value. But any case, Mark, let us move on to question number 10. Last year was rock bottom for the club on and off the field. There was that fan protest in September that was the story of the season for you, me, and others. Rapid supporters are increasingly fed up with KSE. They had the, they had that whole survey where they were asking for fan responses and everything, and fans absolutely let them have it. Mark, will Cronky finally mend this broken relationship with the fan base? If so, how? All right. Uh, this is actually the easiest question that you've asked uh, today to anyone uh, or that e- either of us have had to answer, in my humble opinion. Uh, so if you want to flashback, dear listeners, uh, go back in your minds all the way to April of 2021 when Arsenal had just gone through a tremendously terrible season where they finished, I believe, at the end of the season in eighth. Um, but it was just a general season where for even a brief, like, two-week stretch, somewhere around uh, December, Arsenal Football Club were hovering around the relegation line, and fans were absolutely furious. And they went to the Emirates Stadium, and they protested Kroenke out. Um, the manager got fired. They went out and hired Mikel Arteta. Arteta struggled at the beginning of 2022, um, but they kind of stuck with it. And then things turned around. And in 2022 and 2023, Arsenal had two very good seasons. And you don't really hear a lot of cronky out uh, complaints anymore across the pond in uh, North London. And that's my take also on the Rapids and the Cronky out protest. We have even less leverage as Rapids fans than Arsenal fans do. Um, Arsenal fans are just really loud and they're going to wind up on the cover of the newspaper of the Times and the Guardian and all the big tabloids in England. Um, you know, a Rapids, you know, fan protest, even with, uh, a walkout, even with black shirts, even with, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the Rapids C38 section being vacated um, is not going to draw that much media attention and it doesn't hit Cronky where it matters, which is in the wallet. He just won't he won't be moved by 500 fans or 1,000 fans 2,000 fans boycotting a couple games um, and season tickets probably haven't fallen off significantly even after a horrendous year last year. The other thing that I'll say, the more important thing I'll say is this um, everybody, including me and Matt, I think, think Oryx Smith did everything you could as a small to mid-market club in the offseason to build a good team. And short of going the full Arthur Blank, Jorge, and Jose Mas, um, Seattle Sounders, damn the torpedoes, spend all the money approach, the Rapids are playing small ball pretty well. You know, they They've used their DP position without spending the most money on a DP they possibly could. Um, they have a couple TAM level players who are very good. They went out and found players who had been disappointing in Europe and were American players and would want to come back, which had two benefits. Number one, 
Um, they were they are players who come into the league with a chip on their shoulder. Zach Steffen and Georgi Mihailovic want to do things. Sam Bynes wants to do things this season. Um, and two, you don't have to pay additional money for another international slot because you're using your uh, domestic players. They don't count against the international slot because they're American. So those are huge advantages, and you can't do that at every position. You know, look at uh, what FC Dallas did when they went out and got um, Petr Musa, who is their new DP striker, who they paid a $10 million transfer fee for. He also is an international, so you got to have an international slot lined up for him, and if you don't have one, you got to go out and get one, and the going rate for an international slot is two fifty. My point is... As the Rapids go, so will the protests against Kroenke. If the Rapids have another Pidsgiving top of the Western Conference year, or even a year where they get to the playoffs this year, no one's going to complain about the Kroenke ownership. The only complaint that regularly will come towards the Kroenke ownership group is a legitimate one that Matt and I will probably write about this season too at some point, which is that our facilities are beginning to lag behind the rest of the league, right? we don't have a stadium that is nearly big enough for the MLS that has Zlatan and Messi and um, even David Beckham, right? We've been surpassed in MLS 3.0 by every other team in the league. You need a stadium that seats 20,000, um, and the bigger teams in the league are seating 60,000 for games. Uh, a stadium that maxes out at 16 and 19 if you add folding chairs in the corners is not good enough. Um, I'm not a fan of every fan in the Rapids world's idea of, you know, we need to move downtown because a downtown stadium would cost an obscene amount of money and there's no place in the Lodo downtown area to put it unless they tear down um, Elish Gardens, which they're not gonna because it makes too much money. Um, it's just not gonna happen. So I think, I think there's a huge advantage also being in Commerce City. I think that all those soccer fields that are out there are really great. I think the city of Denver is growing. I've said this before, but I'll say it really quickly again. The city of Denver is growing, and it is growing to the east, towards Aurora, out towards the suburbs, towards the airport. I think we're in a good spot. we just got to build a bigger, better, nicer stadium in that spot. Matt wants to add something. Uh, Go ahead, Mark. A quick correction for you. They are tearing down Elish. They are tearing down Elish Garding. They are turning it into a housing multi-family development with some uh, with some affordable, but they're not tearing. They're not tearing all of it down, right? They're tearing some of it down. Uh, they're and... doing it in stages, but like stuff ah. is being built around Elish Gardens, moving north on I twenty five. I don't remember ah. where and everything, but yeah, the we did a podcast, Rabbi, I think during lockdown before MLS is back even got announced, and we hypothesized about places the Rapids can move downtown, right. and I think sure. it was the whichever that largest of the lots next to the can downtown off of Spear and twenty five. Dicks, the footprint of Dicks fits in with that. I did, I absolutely did that measurement on Google Earth as well, but clearly they're not doing Touch that. And so, yeah, that that's not happening. There's other stuff that's going to happen. Um, so, the, so my point is the Cronkies will not mend a broken relationship with the fan base. Winning will make us all forget about how much the ownership drives us nuts. The facilities, however, will continue to drive us nuts until something gets done. I should point out, Rabbi, that uh, the Rapids did replace four of their practice pitches uh, in this offseason, so two grass and two turf ones as well. So between the stadium pitch and the new grass pitches, and 
the fact that winter has been relatively mild in terms of temperature and snowfall. I'm hoping that we don't see a bunch of muscle injuries and also like catastrophic knee injuries between now and certainly the end of winter going into April. But yeah, that, the um, there's still concerns about the rest of the playing facilities for the rest of the players. And then there's obviously still very much concerns about the bare bone minimalist stadium that the Rapids have redeveloping the West Tower be damned. Um, and the bye-bye. north side, yeah, that whole north oh side. Oh my god. Matt, you get the 11th of 11 questions. For those who don't uh, know much about soccer, 11 is the number of players on the field. That's why you picked 11 questions, right, Matt? Thankfully, Matt didn't come up with 18 questions. That would have been a lot, because there's 18 players uh, who are allowed to uh, be on the roster, at least at, at current FIFA numbers. You never know when they're going to change the rules once again. Hint, hint, blue cards. Hint, hint, we'll talk about it on another podcast. Matt, final question goes to you. Chris Armas has a habit of blowing it in big games. The Rapids can't seem to get over the hump at the end of the year against more talented and more expensive teams. Will their weaknesses compound into fall disappointment? Or will this team finally win a playoff game for the first time since 2016? I think this question ultimately is going to define the season and how we feel about it in terms of in the macro and at the end of the day, at the end of the season. And I also think, Mark, this is fundamentally the question around uh, what prompted the Rapids way. Apology for the no trigger warning, uh, Rapids fans. But, you know, Mark, the, the Rapids way or what the Rapids have done in terms of getting back to the plan since the Rapids way is now, you know, taboo word to say uh, for Pork Smith in press conferences was the. We're on a budget. MLS is evolving. We're falling behind. Is there a way that we can be competitive given our limitations? And so fundamentally, again, the same thing that I've heard from Porrick Smith a hundred times. We want to be a perennial playoff team. We want to bring a second MLS Cup back to Colorado. And while I like what they've done this offseason, to your point, Rabbi, I don't know that there's a single other than my own bias towards Danny Wilson and then maybe not giving Jack Price the extra 200k it would have taken in order for you to keep him around and everything. I don't know that there's another move that has happened this offseason that I can fundamentally disagree with. If you can get rid of Diego Rubio and then get Jordi Mihailovic, you get it. Zach Stefan on a free transfer, you bring him in. Uh, Sam Vines on probably a Sam very Sam Vines! Cheap. We got Sam Vines back! You know, and then between the draft picks, you know, I, I've been impressed with every single one of them and the approach that led to selecting those players as well. But fundamentally, can you go up against teams that have two, three X, you know, your salary? And can you beat them in a head to head game where they're probably at home and you're at a talent deficit in a must win game where everybody's going max out? And so then the normal thing that you have of uh, that the Rapids have of the power of friendship and maximum effort is not the same delta relative to the opponent as well. And can you do that two to three times to get to and win an MLS Cup? And I don't know that I don't know that you can, Mark. I think the data is pretty well out there in the last ten years that it's the big money teams with a good head coach and good contributing DPs and a well built, well funded roster are the ones that win trophies. The ones with mega stars are the ones that win trophies, and the Rapids are not that. And as much as they spent this offseason, as much as they've upgraded this roster, they are still not that. It would take another two X of spending of what they already had on a consistent annual basis, not just a okay, let's throw $5 million at the problem in order to solve the roster right now in order to do that. And so I could totally see, Mark, where we have this bittersweet feeling or we have this sense of unfulfillment or 
trying to find the silver lining at the end of the year when the Rapids have a great season and then just run into a juggernaut in the playoffs and huff and puff and try really hard and get really close. And there's one half chance for Emmanuel Reynoso or for uh, or for the new guy that Seattle's gotten as well. And then he gets that chance and that ends the Rapids season. And the Rapids were never even really that close to begin with. So I don't have the answer to this yet, Mark. We'll, we'll get to this in a minute. I do think the Rapids make a playoff, make the playoffs. I do think they get a home playoff game. But fundamentally, like I still wonder if they've done enough to get over the bar of advancing in the playoffs. And you compound that with this is a problem that this club has had historically, that the front office has had, that this uh, a number of players who've been with this roster have had in these big games. And on top of that, you have a head coach who in the biggest game of his head coaching career absolutely fumbled it in terms of the approach like are you know this is this is the Achilles heel mark are the 2024 Colorado Rapids just going to be the inevitable Greek tragedy that all of my PTSD and scar tissue says that they are and always will be I realize I'm not answering the question I'm just throwing the question back to you so um let's move on rap let's do some rapid fire right here uh we won't do um uh, we won't do seedings yet, Mark. We can save that for another day. But Rabbi Mark Goodman, do the Rapids make the playoffs? Yes, no. We make the playoffs. What do you think, Matt? I think they make the playoffs as well. Uh, you, I think, alluded to it earlier, Mark, but just to get you on the record, uh, Rapids, Rocky Mountain Cup, yes or no? We win the Rocky Mountain Cup this year. We get it back. We start to even the score. What do you think? Uh, no, I will, I will no believe cup. it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, the, the uh, RSL beating the Rapids at Rio Tinto in Sandy, Utah. Uh, America first field is way more inevitable than the Rapids losing to a better team on paper than in the playoffs. Okay, Mark, um, let's just briefly touch on Rabbi. I want to talk about the actual preseason because preseason games have happened. Um, we got more videos of the goals that were scored. Mark, in the last 16 games after a really uh, frustrating first game where they only scored one on a penalty by Jonathan Lewis, uh, the Rapids have 16 goals in three preseason games. Lewis has three. Uh, Navajo has three, Cole Bassett has two. There's a bunch of other players with assists that and well. Calvin Harris is cooking, Mark. I think Calvin's on four. I'd have to look that up. Uh, Kamani Stewart-Baines is getting assists. Mark, are you optimistic by what the Rapids have done in preseason, or fundamentally do you question whether or not the Mexican teams were rolling out second teams, and is Montreal secretly trash? And so then when the Rapids score a bunch of goals, this time tomorrow against Hartford Athletic, coached by Brendan Burke, former Colorado Springs Switchbacks head coach, are, are we still waiting, Mark, for the Rapids to get to playing Orlando, a competent MLS team, before you think that we're just going to score goals and win every game 5-0? I still don't know what to make of preseason. I mean, I think that the other data point that I was filled in on, um, uh, Paul Tenorio has a really good article in The Athletic about Inter-Miami's abortive uh, preseason trip to Europe. Uh, not to Europe, to... Um, they went to Hong Kong, they went to Tokyo... And they went to Saudi Arabia and they played a whole bunch of games and they didn't have healthy players and Messi didn't play most of it and they lost most of their games. And in fact, Cristiano Ronaldo and his boys, um, who are not, uh, are all Nasser is the team. By the way, the top four teams in the Saudi league are all owned by the Saudi league, but the rest of the teams are not owned by the Saudi league. They're not owned by the league. They're actually owned by the the development company that is owned by the Saudi crown princes. It gets weird. Anyway, uh, the public investment that, fund. That's huh. the one. 
How could Mark, you know would you rather that? Rabbi? Anyways, you... my po- my point Rabbi. is this. Wait, wait. Let me finish the thought before, and then you can interrupt the thought that I was about to finish. Otherwise, I'll never get it back. The point is, if Inter Miami can be bad and then do what I think they're going to do in the regular season, which is be really good, then the Rapids can be good in the re- in the preseason and then go out and be bad in the regular season. I don't think there's a lot of correlation. Back to you, Matt. The preseason doesn't matter until it does, and the preseason so far, given the opposition and their quality, does not matter as much. I look forward to, Mark, the Rapids getting giving more of the reserve and the younger players a run out against USL Championship opposition tomorrow against Hartford Athletic, and I hope that it's a proper, like, simulating an actual game against Orlando on the weekend, early next week. I can't remember when that Orlando game is, and if the Rapids go out there and go toe-to-toe with a team that is coached by Oscar Perea and has spent money and will be a playoff team this year. And Matt Doyle has them as a dark horse for the supporter shield. If the Raps can go toe-to-toe with both teams trying like it's an actual regular season game, then I'll have some belief in that. I was in, about to interrupt you a minute ago, Mark, because I wanted to make a joke about how uh, how funny would it be if like Don Garber bought the Rapids and would we rather have Don Garber as the commissioner of MLS also be the owner of the Rapids or would we still want to keep Stan Kroenke? But in any case, uh, it'd be annoying and I wouldn't enjoy the press conferences. Rabbi, let us move on to some rapid fire questions that we had. We got a bunch of engagements on a tweet that I sent out asking for Ask HDHLs. So Mark, uh, we'll, we'll do each one of these. I'll throw them back and forth. Uh, Jason Maxwell asked, how good this team, how good is this team if we don't buy Navajo and Dioc in midsummer and have, uh, and have to finish the season without them? And then Judgmental Jim followed up with, what about Sydney? What about Tavares' status? What's going on there? I wonder. Uh, Judgmental Jim. So Sydney Tavares has, I think he might have been in that first Mexican friendly, but he has not been in with the team, at least not listed as taking the field in preseason since then. I have reason to believe that he was not with the club for the entire duration in Mexico. I have reason to believe he was not with the club for the entire week that they were back in Colorado. I highly, highly doubt that Sidney Tavares will be a member of the Colorado Rapids for much longer. And I think if anything happens, I I do think there's a I think it would be allowed for that loan to be terminated, even though it is outside of the transfer window in case of him going back to Portugal. Or maybe they're looking for him to get loaned somewhere else because it was a loan to MLS and then to the Rapids. But because of single entity, he could more freely move within the league as well. To answer Jason Maxwell's question directly, I'm not so much concerned about Diak because I feel like the um, I feel like the second options that you have there in the Jasper Lofelson, a slight tactical positional change as well. Mihailovic or Bassett moving back. I feel more comfortable about that than I do the striker options if it's not Rafael Navajo. So whether or not Diak is good, I think we know that Jasper Lofelson is at worst like a bang average replacement level MLS number six, and that is way better than where the Rapids were at the demon position last year. What happens if the Rapids don't retain Navajo for whatever reason is a really good question at the forward position. Has Darren Yappi scored a goal by the time we get to the 1st of July? Do we see Kevin Cabral, who's been mostly a reserve player when it's come to preseason minutes right now? I do not think Kevin Cabral is a starter on this team. I'm not even sure. I think he makes the bench. I don't think he's the first wide attacking sub off of the bench on this team right now do we see calvin harris slightly out of position i'm not entirely sure jason and that gives me reasons to be really really scared navajo has to work and the rapids have to not 
dicker around with the option to buy and then renegotiating like they have done in the past because if they lose him you're looking at okay let's go spend that money again on another dp forward that guy's probably coming from outside the league does it take us a while to get him does he miss leaf cup in its entirety and then do we see the goss theorem of him having to get used to the league by the time you know he rounds into form and the team gets used to him Following up, Rabbi, I'll throw this question to you. Uh, Scott Hammond, follow-up, asks, how many goal contributions does Navajo need to get purchased in the summer outright or after renegotiation? Rabbi, uh, the Navajo loan expires on June 30th. On June 29th, the Rapids will have played their 19th league game, and that will be at LAFC. Mark, how many goals in 19 games do you need to see from Navajo for him to be worth 4.5 milli? Well, I was saying before, uh, if, if you fast forwarded to the end, I don't know, uh, why you would have done that, but, uh, I, I endorse skipping around in podcasts when you, when you need to. Uh, maybe you, maybe the kids were screaming and you needed to reach back and slap one. Don't slap your kids. Um, I think, uh, eight is what he'll get, and I think ten is what he needs. Um, he needs ten goals in 19 games. For the Rapids to feel good about picking up four point five million dollars, it's a lot of goals to get, and I don't think he's likely to be able to do it. Simple I'll, answer. I'll I'll say a goal for two games as well, Mark. So give me give me nine ten. It, we get to he gets the double digits in all comps, open cup or otherwise. Uh, no open cup because then he he could easily get like a hat trick against Hailstorm. Ten goals by the end by full time of that nineteenth game and everything then I think he's worth it because then you think 19 games, you prorate that for another third of the season. You've got a 15-goal striker. I think that is good money in Major League Soccer for that as your DP striker. And then a couple questions from at David Hammer 9 I'll throw this first one to you, Mark. Is Johnny back or is he auditioning for another club? And I want to shout out Dodie Robbins, who is there on J. Lou Island, banging the drum and making fires all on his own. Uh you know, Jody, you are, uh, we abandoned Jonathan Lewis, you know, almost a year ago now at this point. Mark, is Jonathan Lewis back or is this just preseason stuff as well? Do you expect him to be a starter? Does it matter? Does he have resale value? Jonathan Lewis is Jonathan Lewis, meaning he is absolutely good to tear it up for 15 minutes on the pitch and look like a bat out of hell and then wander around the pitch for 45 minutes uh, looking like a man uh, waiting for a bus. And then he uh, is pretty much good for five goals and four assists every season, uh, whether he gets a thousand minutes or two thousand minutes and he never gets three thousand minutes. So he is what it is. You just got to be OK with that. He's a useful role player. He will change the dynamic in terms of speed. So if you're going to start with Cole Bassett and then sub in Jonathan Lewis, or if you're going to start with Omir Fernandez and then sub in Jonathan Lewis, or if you're going to start with Jonathan Lewis and then sub in Jordy, Georgie Mihailovic. Those are really nice shifts to tempo, um, but they're not. He's not a. He's not an everyday, thirty games a year, three thousand minutes kind of guy. It's just not what he does, um, and he's never going to score fifteen goals or get ten assists. It's also not what he does. Does that mean that the Rapids could wave him over the tantalizing appetite of some other club who think that they can turn him into? A 10-goal scorer? Possibly, but I think his resale value is low and will continue to be. It's really only a question of whether he or his agent think he can go someplace else and either get more money or get more minutes. Um, you know, maybe he's really bought into this team. Maybe he's excited about 
a fresh start with a new coach. Uh, I think that those are all possible options. I have been on team um, free Johnny for like two years now. But then again, me and Matt were once on team Diego Rubio is terrible. He'll never score any goals. And then he went out and put 16 in and we were both wrong. And we like being wrong when it means the Rapids are good. I would love to see Jonathan Lewis get seven goals all comps in league play. I would probably take five, and I think five would be appropriate yep. given the number of minutes that I think he is going to get or not get. Rather Over or under a thousand minutes, Matt. What do you think? Uh, all comps? Uh, sure. <sighs> I'll take, oh, if he's, if he's healthy, if the, if the turf monster doesn't get him in the next two months, I'll say, uh, I'll yeah. say over. I'll, nice. I'll put it like his ceiling's got to be 1500 for me. That's on a, that's on a high. Something else has happened. Uh, in the case of this club at the wide position for him to be forced into that. Uh, we've only got two more minutes here, Mark, because we both have a hard stop. <laughs> I've got to get to an EWB meeting and you got to go pick up the wifey at the airport. So, no, no, uh, I got to pick up my, I got to drop, I got to pick up my kid at, uh, rehearsal for the musical. My kid, my two kids are both in musicals. One's in Frozen and one's in Mean Girls. So this one is Mean Girls. Okay. Uh, we don't have time for that, Rabbi, though. That's something we're going to impact, uh, unpack off. You can podcast. start next week. Okay, where in the world is Marco Ilicha? Hammer asks as well. Um, he is with the team in preseason. As far as I know, he has been training with the club. He got minutes in one of the three friendlies that we saw in Mexico, Hammer. And then the Rapids were then not including the goalkeeper position when they were doing lineup, gra- when they were doing lineup announcements for the line changes they had at the various intermissions during the other preseason friendly so Stefan was announced as a starter and then they didn't include Stefan in and here's the lineup for starting the second half or the third quarter or the four or the second period or what have you and so does that mean Stefan is staying on because he's the new goalkeeper and he's for sure going to be the starter was Illich getting some minutes in there was Adam Beaudry getting some minutes in there I don't know that Marco Illich has resale value most of the windows in Europe have closed if he wanted to go back to Europe which would be the easiest thing for that to happen and I don't think the Rapids are selling him for a massive deficit, given, as I've reported, they paid uh, in guaranteed transfer dollars, uh, 800K for him, you know, last summer as well. So I think Illich is here, and I think he is de facto the backup to Zach Steffen right now. And then uh, Hammer's third question, will we get Biker Jim's back again, or is GB Fish and Chips coming back? I think the bridge is burned with GBs personally. I haven't heard anything yeah. about Biker Jim staying or going. Um, on the long list of things that KSE knows they need to improve the Scran situation, and it was improved from 2022 to 2023, I would be totally okay with Biker Gyms coming back, um, and I hope that it is. Listeners, you can follow us collectively on Twitter at Soccer underscore Rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard, and at Rapids 96 Podcast. Check out Rabbi's written content at uh, the Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. You can check out most of my Rapids writing at the Burgundy Wave. And you can ask us your questions just like all of these people did using the hashtag AskHTHL on the socials. Uh, we're also on Facebook. I'm pretty sure we're still on Blue Sky and Instagram. I'd have to check those. We're not active on those. The Bird app is still working for the most part there. Um, and then if you want to get in touch in long form, Rapids96 podcast at gmail.com. Listeners, we will see you next week to preview the season opener at Portland Timbers. You also have just two more weeks to become a subscriber to Holding the Highline at the Highliner subscription level at the current price of $42 a year. Um, that gets you the merch. We're giving out t-shirts this year with our new logo on it. Um, they're going to be workout shirts, good for the gym, 
good for running, good for sweating, whatever you do that gets you and keeps you healthy. I can't wait till the weather gets a little bit better so I can be motivated to start running again so I can sweat and work off this muffin top that I've been developing. Um, and uh, once the season drops and we kick off the ball the first time, the price will go up. So lock in your rate at $42 before the price goes up, ladies and gentlemen, and get that T-shirt and become a supporting Highliner. Folks, thanks for all your support up till now. See you next week. Peace! You made that joke on the first episode of the podcast. Is that true? Yes. It's not my joke. I'm just stealing it from what's-his-name.